Peter Noon, you know my wife's from England, from Maidstone and Kent. She remembers you as a child star. You were not. You started out as an actor. <laughs> yeah, in Coronation Street. It like, was really embarrassing because uh, somebody came to me with a book about when I was in Toronto doing the Royal York, and which said the 25th year, anniversary year of Coronation Street. 25 years. I, I didn't. I thought I was 23. Did you go to the reunion they had for? No, I didn't. No one told me. Give no me one told me. Well, I was in America. They probably wouldn't know how to get in touch with me. You know, I'm. You know, but it was the 25th anniversary. Wow, 25 years ago, was I alive? And I had, in fact, been alive 25 years ago. How did you move from uh, uh, being a, a, a thespian in, in, into the music business? You thespian, you. <laughs> uh, I'm still a thespian on the side. I, I like, I like to. That's what I did, and I think that music and I think the music business and acting are kind of closely related. But you're an amazing man. I heard. I went out in the crowd. I mean this in, in all sincerity. I went out in the crowd to watch you perform here this okay. afternoon. Uh, you have a kinetic energy. I know you're tired. You got up there like a trooper. You performed, I think, the only time today that the whole crowd stood up and applauded you. How did that make you feel? Good. That's, what we, that's, that's why I'm here. You know, I like to, you know, it's like I've been, I've been since about 12 years I didn't sing any of those songs because I really thought it would be good for my my own personality to leave them alone a little bit so that I wouldn't have to go out and just you know just go room and do here they are my hits goodbye mm. I wanted to go out there and and really want to you know take no prisoners with the audience that's my you know it's like my theory that you have to go out and give all your energy and and then go back and go huh. but I it, the payoff is that I when I only do one show a week, or this week is like a big week, I'm doing two shows this week. I did one last night in Buffalo, that's why I'm so exhausted. Yeah. And uh, I said to my agent, let's just do one gig a week. Let's do one gig, one good gig every week, instead of three poor ones, and schlep and do all that stuff around, you know, all these little towns and everything. Let's do one big town a week, or let's not work at all. I'm with you, yeah. And it kind of pays off because then you never disappoint the audience. You never show up tired. I mean, you know, you can, I mean, it's like, I had the energy, if I had to do another four shows, I still got the energy because I didn't do 400 shows this year. But did you learn that from doing The Road in the 60s? I mean, it must have yeah. gotten to you. Yeah, in 1965 we did uh, 360 something dates. And we had one night off on a plane, TWA from Los Angeles to England. And that was the night off, you know, on a plane overnight from... But, but where do you learn how to, uh, this type of discipline? Because you look so young, you look wonderful. Uh, the gay, I think it's... Uh, is it within the gay, No, the gay, it's, it's like, if, if the music business or, or the entertainment business is, is basically, the best shot you've got is when you're very young because then you're new and fresh and everything. But when you're, uh, you know, like when you're 30, you're always competing, you're still competing with 18-year-olds. And when you're 40, you're still competing with 18-year-olds. All the new people are 18-year-olds. And it's like being the old boy at school, you know, you have to be able to run faster than the new guys. Right. And I could still run faster than Boy George and all those guys. I really can, you know, I'm physically more able to do... They can't do that. A lot of people couldn't get up at quarter to three and get on a plane from Buffalo that's and true. come to Vancouver. A lot of people can't do that. That's why I asked you about that, because that's a self-discipline. Well, it's... it's those, the rules are set up by the audience, you know, you, you just have to be there and you have to be on form. There's no excuse, you know, if you arrive in the, and you don't do a poor show, you can't say, I'm sorry, the airline kept us flying over Chicago and we went to, they're not going to take that. They just want to see you as they want you and they want you in top form. You know, so when you see Dean Martin, he's not disappointed. Danny Kay never disappoints. Those are my heroes. My heroes aren't these rock and roll people who, you know, vomit on their own shoes. My heroes are the people who've put their, 
you know, put their money where their mouth is. Like 40 dues. years old, 40 years into the business, and they're still... It's like people say the stone, yeah, they're stones. Look at those, that guy, Mick Jagger. Everybody thinks the guy has not, like, got his act together. The guy can go on stage for two hours, he's fit as a fiddle, yep. doesn't do any drugs, all those stories and everything. The guy's so purely fit, goes out there and he kills. And I'm, I'm impressed by that, you know, because he's not a young guy anymore. He's okay. even older than me. <laughs> he's 44, you know. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Peter, who put a, could you just take a minute to give us the, the story of how the Herman's Hermits thing, in your words, never mind all the books we read, how did it all happen, who discovered it, was it Mickey Most, who put it together? Well he was, the, we chose, what happened was the band, I went to Manchester School of Music and there was a band there that I joined and I was a very poor guitar player and they let me be the singer because I wasn't a good guitar player, they said, you be the singer, you know, we'll play the chords and everything, so I said fine. And. Uh, that band was called the Cyclones and we died. We played, we played the drummer's sister's hairdresser's ball or something, you know what I mean? And they hated us. And then we slowly learned and we learned and we learned and then we started getting no money, then we were getting six pounds, then we were getting eight pounds. And then that band became Pete Novak and the Heartbeats who were getting 20 pounds and 30 pounds. And then that band became Herman's Hermits who were getting 50 pounds and 60 pounds. And uh, we were the hottest band in Lancashire, which doesn't sound a lot, a lot, you know, but we were Manchester, Liverpool, Blackburn, Burnley. We were the band, right? And uh, we had all these, uh, you know, it's, it's, success is relative, you know, and we, we appreciated just being hot in Manchester, you know, that right. was like, we're hot in one town. And uh, we slowly built, 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 and then suddenly all these, because the Beatles made it and the Stones made it, everyone was being signed, and uh, all these labels would come to us and want to sign us, but they were, terrible to say that because now I'm as old as a guy but the guys that I the, the, the men who came to audition Herman's Hermits were all the same age as my father and I said well my father knows nothing about rock and roll he's a trombone player boop, 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 boop. he knows nothing about rock he doesn't like Buddy Holly he doesn't like the Everly Brothers so how can they know what we're trying to do and uh, I saw this guy called Mickey Most on a Rolling Stones tour Everly Brothers tour Everly Brothers Rolling Stones Mickey Most and he was a guitar player and he was hip and he came off stage and all the Everly Brothers and the Stones got on a bus and he got in a Porsche and drove off. So I said, my kind of guy there. And uh, we said, let's have him to reproduce us. He did an Animals record and he was doing, you know, it was a big hit in England. And uh, we sent him a plane ticket. We thought we'd be very sophisticated. We won't be just one of these silly Manchester bands, which we were a silly Manchester band. We'll send him a plane ticket, prepay a hotel. How can he refuse? Sent him the plane ticket first class. Booked him in the Midland Hotel, which is a terrible Victorian hotel in Manchester. And he came and uh, we set up the whole audience. You know, we, we said to all the girls that we knew, every one of the girls named by first names, you know, we'd, we knew them very well. And uh, they were, uh, we said, this, this famous producer's coming tonight, we need to scream all the way through the show. Of course, they screamed all the way through the show. And when it's, when it's set up, they don't scream good. It's not like, no. it was like, but the guy loved us. Mickey Most said, this is happening. And he tried to get rid of the band. He said, I want to sign the singer and get rid of the band. And I said, no, 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 no. Has to be the whole band or nothing. So he was a very smart guy, Mickey. He kind of cleaned up the band. He got rid of the drummer and he got a new drummer and he, he put a band together, which was Herman's Hermit. Where'd the name come from? It's so funny, so offbeat. Yeah, we, it, it was because we were called Pete Novak and the Heartbeats. And I thought that sounded like Bobby Rydell or something, which yes. was the period that had just gone by. And uh, we, the reason we hated we hated Pete Novak and the Heartbeats because we used to do this date and they used to keep billing us as the, I won the twist competition in this place in Manchester. And they would say, Pete Novak, the crown prince of the twist and the Heartbeats, right? And the twist had gone, you know, my mother could by now do the twist so I knew it was definitely gone, right? right? You know? 
So um, we were looking for a new name, and we would wa we'd watch all the car American cartoons to see, you know, let's call ourselves Superman and the Happenings, you know, all this stuff. Let's call ourselves the Fortunes. Oh, someone's already got it. Take let's it. call ourselves the Rolling. Someone's already got the Rolling Stones. Okay, and we would write all these names out. And we were sitting in a bar in, in an after. We weren't allowed to drink because we were all kids. I was 15, right? And uh, the, the Bullwinkle show was on this American TV show with Sherman and Professor Peabody. Peabody's. Nah. Herman and the... And this guy, this, this guy who was like the, you know, the man who's, who's not really well, who cleans the tables in one of those places, the working men's club, you know, like has a smelly beer thing with him all the time. The whole body smells of beer. He said, call yourself Herman and the Bloody Hermits. Great name, Herman and the Hermits. Is that where the legend out, was born? We let bloody out, you know, we said, no, we're not going to go Herman and the bloody Hermits. Last question, Peter. I know you want to get some sleep. No, I don't want to get some sleep. I need a wash. Oh. I, need to, I do need to go and get a shower. Great. I, when I go to uh, England, they always say, it must be a bloody yank, you want a shower. <laughs> go down the hall to the bathtub. How did all of the, the songs, did you have any say in the selection, or was that Mickey, like, uh, the Can't You Hear My Heartbeat and all of those songs? Did yeah. you have any say? Yeah. What it is, is that Mickey and I, Mickey is still my best friend. Mickey and I knew what the formula, we had a good formula. And it's a shame because since then Mickey's done nothing and I've really not had, he sold 50 million records with Herman Summits and then sold none. And I think we just, we, it, I always say that Herman Summits was a band of its time. Yes. It was the perfect time. There was this big space in the music business for Herman Summits. Mm -hmm. And we just knew what to do. I mean, the songs came out of the sky. We said, Let, you know, Jimmy Page came to a session. He was playing the, the uh, session, and he, got, he went. He used to do a warm up. You know, which is a good warm up for guitar players. I try and do it much slower than he does. But um, Mickey said, why don't, why don't we use that in a song? What kind of song can we get? You know, Jimmy Page, like this guy from Led Zeppelin, playing his lick, and we silhouettes became the song. And it was the number one record just from this guy. You know, the magical moments where yes. things happen, like yeah. Let It Be apparently is like, not Let It Be, Hey Jude is one hey of these Jude. things like, let's write a song that goes C, F and G, Hey Jude, don't let it down. Yeah. Just a moment, you know, and it, you just have to be there. But part of that, it seemed to me, were, were like what I would call British musical things, like Mrs. Yeah, Brown. Yeah, that because that's where I came from. I mean, Mrs. Brown was this song that we used to do at bar mitzvahs and things. It was Mrs. Silverman, You've Got Another Daughter, and you know, I mean, it was like a silly, it was the acoustic song that we had in the set because sometimes, you know, in, if you played bar mitzvahs, you had to have a saxophone player or a violin player, mm -hmm. otherwise you were out. But we had a banjo player, right? And when we recorded the song, the banjo, we didn't think we were going to record it. The banjo wasn't there, so we put Kleenex in a guitar, clink, 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 clink. I mean, it was just one of those things. That's the magic of, of the time. But I mean, look how it's all lasted, Peter. That's amazing. People well, know, you know the song it all does. It's like it's like my dad and my mother and father go and see all these swing bands now and like jump around and make fools of themselves. You know, and music is an amazing thing. It's music has muscle memory. You know, your body remembers notes. You know, you go and places. And places. It's like I sing songs. I remember the moment I go like into Can't You Hear My Heartbeat, and I, 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 as I'm singing it because I know the song so well now. I can think about things that happened to bring joy to myself, and I remember John Lennon coming up to me and saying, in the Scotch of St James, and it with this little tiny club in London, and he comes up and he said, "Hey, your new record's number one in America," and because I was such a fan of his, I said, "Thank you." So I've got nostalgia. You know, I, I have moments on stage as well. I said, "Can you believe I was such a twit?" I could have said, yeah, how's yours doing? You know, I could have said a million things afterwards. You know, afterwards right. you'd get, I should have said, hey, yeah, let me buy you a drink. I'm doing well now or something. But I said, thank you. And he went, 
What's wrong with this guy? I just said the records. I didn't say congratulations. Those things. Peter, it's nice to see you uh, taking your Dick Clark pills every morning. You look fantastic. <laughs> Dick Clark pills. Yeah, I've got an album cover in the attic with this gray and. Uh, you mean there's a picture on the wall like Dorian Gray? You know what it is. I'm I'm doing good. I'm you know I'm happy. I'm really very fortunate guy. You certainly are, Peter. Thank you. Thanks, Red. <laughs>